Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. And today we've got a bit of an unusual episode. First, I'm going solo. I'm recording this one all on my lonesome while Belinda has a bit of a nap. And second, we don't really have a structure for this episode. It's just going to be a bit freeform and crazy, but it's going to be pretty exciting because I'm talking to Robert Gerrish, who I guess has been a bit of a mentor to me. We'll talk more about that in the episode. And he is going to chat through what keeps copywriters awake at night and give us some simple solutions as well. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter and founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success online learning hub. And today I'm talking with Robert Gerrish. Hello, Robert. Hello, Kate. How are you? Oh, I'm a little chilly, but I'm very excited to be speaking with you. So that's warming, warming me up hugely. It's warming your cockles. It is. You've got warm cockles. It's always good to have warm cockles. Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna read out your very illustrious bio, uh, but then after that, I'd quite like to talk about how we met and and what what you've meant to me. That sounds a bit melodramatic. So get your hanky ready. Yeah, I'm um, ready. <laughs> so, following a career in the marketing and design industry in London and Sydney, Robert made the leap to his own business in the mid-1990s. Seeing a niche in the area of support and resources aimed at the one-person business, Robert launched the Flying Solo community in 2005. With a small team, he grew the business to a membership member base of over 100,000 Australian freelancers and entrepreneurs before selling to Pinstripe Media at the end of last year. Back working solo, today Robert pops up regularly at conferences and events, supports individuals in the development of their ventures, and hosts a series of podcasts, including the Business of Bookkeeping for First Class Accounts, the Flying Solo podcast, and his own Mellow Brick Road, a new show aimed at the older entrepreneur. His first book, Flying Solo, How to Go to Learn Business, was a business bestseller, and his latest, The One Minute Commute, will be published by Pam McMillan at the end of July. And I believe the books have just arrived today. Is that right? They have. They arrived in a box. So I've got, I'm going to drop one on the floor because it's right. There it is. It's a book. It sounds heavy. Is it hardback? No, no, I just threw it heavily. (laughs) It's it's thick. I want to drop, I'm going to drop my book on the floor now and see if it makes a good noise. I don't think it's going to make as good a noise. Oh, that's Uh, pretty good. That wasn't bad. The book drop sound. That's a thing. Yeah. That was a bit more of a splat. It sounded like you killed something. Thank you. Yours was yours was a heavy, sort of <laughs> ominous, professional mm. boom. Anyway, uh, I wanted to talk quickly about how we met, because I can't quite remember. But mm. I think it was that I joined Flying Solo and I started doing a little bit of writing for the site. And this was quite early on in, in my sort of solo career, probably about seven or eight years ago. And, you know, I really enjoyed the opportunity to write for Flying Solo. And some of the posts went great guns. Some of them caused a bit of controversy. Controversy? Can't say that. Um, but it was really a really important step in my writing career to be able to write how I wanted to write. And also you very kindly have talked to me occasionally throughout mm. my career and given me wise bearded advice, haven't you? <laughs> well, I guess it's funny because that's your recollection. That's how I, I remember it. I just remember um, speaking to our editor and and uh, I can't remember. I think it was Jodie at that time, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. And um, 
she said, oh, I've got this new writer. Her name's Kate Toon. I said, well, that's a bit of a weird name. And, <laughs> um, and then we looked at your work. It was just fantastic. And you you just, just, it was fabulous. She just went nuts from the outset. You know, people loved what you wrote. They loved the way, you know, the way you engage with it. It was brilliant. As you say, you kicked up some dust uh, on more than one occasion. And that too was brilliant to see. You know, it was just, it was so good, so good. Yeah, so I, you know, a little tip for the copywriters listening. It's so powerful to go out there and try and find, you know, a magazine style or business site that you can form a relationship with and start writing guest blogs. You know, it really does help boost your career. And I also got a lot of work through the site when I when I started doing that. Mm. Well, look, what I think you did so well as well, if I can just interject for a second, is that you really understood the audience. You took the time, you looked through the forums, you saw all those lively discussions that were going on about SEO and, you know, and, and just generally getting your message out there. You, you know, so by the, when you wrote your first piece, you were clearly somebody who was involved. And that, was, that makes such a difference as opposed to, you know, just wallop getting somebody's article that's, that's, you know, that's not tailored in any way. Yours was so tailored, and that's why it just took off so, so much, honey. Yeah, thanks. And, and I think that's so important. And also just um, not just producing the just same generic article that's been written a hundred times. Mm. Ten tips on how to use Facebook. It's like, oh, I don't need to read that again. Um, but the reason we're chatting today, and I can't believe I haven't had you on the podcast already, but mm. the reason we are chatting is you recently spoke at CopyCon in Sydney. Um, yes, that was fun. It was fun. And mm. you, you, A, you wore a rubber jacket, which was pretty exciting. We'll talk more yeah. about that. But one of the things, the topic of your conversation was, you know, how to deal with difficult clients. And you made a very generous offer at the end of your presentation that you would uh, talk to any copywriters in the room uh, after the event. You would give them a call and just let them talk through any issues they were currently having. uh, And you would try and support them in some way. Now, Mm. stupidly generous thing to do. What what Mm. motivated you to do that? You just... (sighs) Have you got some evil nefarious plan? No, I, I can't. Look, I can't say it was it was any uh, it was any great sort of deep deeply thought through strategy. But you have such a wonderful community and such a lovely bunch of people. I hadn't really rehearsed it much before I got there either. But you see, the thing is, as you mentioned in your sort of intro bit, is I've recently sold Flying Solo and exited it, and and am now you know I still do projects for them, but I'm now building my own little business, and I'm, I'm in a, an experimental phase. And one thing I wanted to do and I am doing is getting back to, to doing more one-on-one support for people. That's what I love doing, helping people grow small businesses, very small businesses. So I needed to kind of get back in the saddle a bit because I hadn't been doing it for the last few years because I've been building flying solar. So I thought, you know, well, here's a room full of really lovely people. Why don't I sort of plonk was bit on the end. I didn't know how how you know how it would get taken up. But I, it was um it's been pretty astonishing. I think I've I think I've spoken to I think it's 18 or 19 people in the last few weeks. Um, and it's just been brilliant. It's been so good that I've been able to support them. It's been so good they have been so supportive to me because I realized, you know what, I can still do this. You know, I used to do a lot of it a number of years ago. And I love it. I just, I just love it. So it's been, it's been great value. And, and almost to a man and a woman, um, you know, I've had the most gorgeous feedback from, from people. I've had lovely 
uh, LinkedIn recommendations and testimonials. So, I mean, it's, it's already paying me back in, in absolute spades. It's, it's fantastic. Well, that's awesome. And I mean, obviously, over the years, even though this wasn't kind of a service you were offering because you were running a big business, I have sometimes, I've said, you know, because you're kind of wise and stuff, I said, oh, Robert, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And you're like, let's just have a chat. And I'm mm. like, oh, and, and very, you know, taking you up on your offer, even though I'm British and I'm, I don't like favours, but I have. And we've had... I don't, I've never had a business coach or a mentor or been part of a mastermind program or anything like that. But your little chats, I think we maybe had one a year for the last, I don't know, three or four years. Your mm. little chats have just given me the direction I needed for like the next six to seven months. It's been great. And then, well, I, run out, then I run out of energy and I need another one. So the reason <laughs> we're chatting today is we thought it would be great to kind of anonymously talk through the common issues that came up on these calls mm. 20 copywriters pretty much um what so let's let's start when yeah. what were the overriding themes that were coming out what were the big issues people were stressing about well it's, it's really interesting and there are a lot of parallels i mean clearly some people had um had, had very different issues but if i just look at sort of broadly the kind of cross-section of the people i was speaking to we had um, a good number that were in very early stage startup, and their issues were largely to do with um, with confidence and struggling a bit with kind of where's all this going. So that was, and I'll, I'll happily come back and sort of dive deeper into any of these. Then we had the established businesses that were just in most cases needing a bit of a refresh and a bit of reassurance that actually, you know what this is going pretty okay and you've got something solid to build on. So that was the next sort of point is, 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 you know, a lot of, and I find a lot of businesses like this, they get to a point where, okay, you know, I know what I'm doing, I know how to do it, but now what, now what do I do? And a few people were really sort of overcomplicating, I think, the options to, um, to, to develop. Um, And the other one was, was, was really to do with the very familiar sort of peaks and troughs you know, and being clear how to develop business and ask for business as opposed to just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. It was, so, it was, but, you know, broadly, those are the issues. Where we, uh, and I'll go into any of them. Yeah, uh, well, let's, let's, like. let's dig into the, to the first one because obviously all of these people are members of my hmm. uh, copywriting community. And every, obviously, I do a little bit of coaching myself. I'm not quite as wise as you, but I hope to really have some advice. And, oh. and, uh, I've noticed this is newbie copywriters. The thing tends to be uh, a lot of comparisonitis. So looking at someone yeah. else's middle and comparing it to your beginning. So comparisonitis yeah. is a big one. Imposter syndrome, which obviously comes yeah. from comparison. I'm not good enough. I will never be good enough. What if people realize I don't know what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, and just kind of like an inability to get started. So mm. let's start with comparisonitis. How, what, what was your advice for those who were suffering from that? Well, it's interesting. It, um, it was, that was often ever so slightly sort of concealed as an issue. It was, I think it's more, um, I mean, what I witnessed is more that people are, are, have a, an aversion to really putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is what I do. This is what I write about. Um, and then I suspect that the reason that people hesitate to that is because of what you call a sort of comparison artist, 
is they're trying to sort of compete with everyone and be general because that's what we see a lot of people doing as opposed to actually being confident enough to say, you know what, I write about health or I write about technology. You know, it's that, I'm not sure if that really is quite the, the response you're expecting, but it's, it's, it's more that I, I, I feel that people um, too often just don't have the clarity of really who they want to write for and have the courage, even at the outset, to say, you know what, this is who I am. This is what I want to write about. And, you know, have a tendency instead to try to be all things. On the, on yeah. The, you know, on the basis that, well, surely if, if I say I do everything, then I'll get more opportunities. But it just doesn't work like that. No, I think there's two things there. There's one that I find that many uh, people don't want to say that they're a copywriter. They don't want to put that label on them because they feel that someone's going to turn around and go, who are you to call yourself a copywriter? You know, you need to be able to write a $10,000 sales page to call yourself that. And I'm like, you know, one of the things we did at CopyCon was we all we all had stickers that said, I am copywriter, which was Amanda Van Eldren's um, mm. idea. And then I made everyone put their hand on their chest and say, I am copywriter. It was stupid. And a little bit Tony Robbins. But the point was to embrace, you can't have a successful copywriting career if you're going to sit there and say you're not even a copywriter. And with the niching, I think the fear is that if you niche down into something specific, you won't get the work. There won't be work to go around. But my attitude has been, been that people will always pay more for specialists. Mm. You know, you, you, you're more impressed by your brain surgeon than your GP, let's be honest. And, yeah. and just because you do niche into a particular industry or type of writing doesn't mean you can't do the other stuff mm. if you feel like it. Mm. But it just gives you a bit of an identity, I find. Yeah, look, I totally agree with that. So the thing is, I think... And it's a question that, that I use on more, on more than one occasion is, you know, imagine that somebody who's absolutely the perfect person came in and said, would you write this for me? What, you know, what the question is, kind of what would it be that they would ask you to write? You know, just think wild, wildly, what would be the dream sort of job, the dream brief? And to a man and a woman, everybody had an answer to that. Everybody knows what the dream job would be. So, so the next sort of response is, okay, so if that was a brief that you got, would you have any struggle whatsoever writing it? And the response is usually, no, 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 of course not. No, you know, I'd love that because it's what I know, it's what I like, it's what, what fires me, it's what I'm passionate about, it's what I'm excited about. It's, well, okay, so if can't you see then that if you, if you take that and own that, start to own that, position yourself as the person that does this, you know, then the fear of, of I'm a copywriter, I'm not a copywriter, it tends to dilute because it's like, mm. well, of course I'm that person because I can do that easily and I'd love to do that. But as when we go general, part of it, I think it fuels a sort of fear that, oh my God, the next call might be somebody from a bank or might be somebody yes. from a lawnmowing business. You know, I don't have any interest or any knowledge in those. And, you know, that, that then feeds that other sort of problem. So I think having the courage to say, this is, this is what I specialize in, even if initially you say, hey, you know, in this, this is an area that I have a particular focus in. I also please to talk to you about other work, but just nailing it and shouting about the thing you really want to write about. I think it's so, it's just so empowering. And for a, for a, for a newbie, that's what's needed. They need that sort of courage lifted up a bit. Yeah, I agree. And I think, it, you know, I'm not a particularly woo-woo person, but I do find that once you make that decision and, you know, make that call that this is your area of 
excellence and enjoyment and pleasure, um, then you start to attract more clients like that. It just seems mm. to happen. Um, and the other thing, you know, I think there's a lot of fear in newbie copywriters that they're going to be revealed as an imposter, that someone's going to go, actually, the copy you've written isn't up to scratch and I'm not going to pay you. Um, I can say that in my entire copywriting career, I think that's maybe happened once and it wasn't that the copy wasn't good. It's just the client didn't like it, didn't like me, was having a bad day. Um, but the truth is as well, if there's areas of copywriting that you don't feel comfy with, you know, that you're not 100% happy with, you don't have to do them. There's no one with a big stick saying, you must write a sales page to be considered a proper proper copywriter you just don't do that bit if you don't want to do it you know you've got the choice that's the whole point yeah look I I totally agree and again you know that the talk that I did at CopyCon your fabulous Mm. conference there was one line in there that um, a number of the people I spoke to repeated back to me so it clearly resonated was this piece about being the bouncer for yes the bouncer for your business I love that well, thank you. And I, at the time, I didn't, you know, it's one of those things I didn't realize it was the piece that people would hold on to, but I've learned that now. So you'll see that phrase coming out of my, <laughs> my pen and my voice a lot more in the future. But it clearly did resonate with people. And that, you know, the, the premise being that you need to control who comes into your business. And, you know, that example you just cited there is how many times, really, in, in established writers, how many times has someone come back and say, that writing's not good enough. It hardly ever happens. And if it does, it's usually because your guard has been down. You know, you've not been the world's best bouncer. You've been turned around the wrong way and someone slipped past you. You know, you, it's, it's probably not been a terribly good brief and it's a piece of work that in your heart and your intuition you probably possibly knew you shouldn't have taken on. And those are the ones that we can trip up on. But as long as we, again, it's that thing of, but in the early days is having the confidence to say, no, I'm sorry, that's not the right job for me. Mm. And that's, that's very difficult. You know, that, that's, a, that's a difficult thing because, you know, you're thinking, hang on a minute, there's someone here who wants me to work for them. I should just say yes to this. I should just say yes to this. Well, actually, no, you shouldn't. There are times when you shouldn't. Yeah, and I think that leads into you know, this whole peak and trough, this whole cash flow and, you know, fear that every phone call is the last phone call you're ever going to get. Um, and I think as any freelancer or solo business person knows, that that doesn't ever really go away. We, you know, I don't think any of us sit, sitting here feeling like fat cats thinking, I will be successful forever and the, the phone will never stop ringing. But the point is, is if you do say yes to everything, then you are, you're, you're going to make yourself miserable. You're going to do jobs you're not enjoying. And if you say no occasionally, I'm not sure I'm going to express myself very well. By saying no occasionally, you are actually saying yes to the right kinds of job. Mm. Um, you know, giving yourself that, turning down that job that doesn't feel quite right. Miraculously, a few days later, the job that is perfect fit pops in that you probably couldn't have done if you'd accepted the no job. Does that make sense? Yeah, look, it does make sense. And I agree with you. And I can imagine there'll be somebody listening and going, well, you know, I'm actually sitting here with not much work and you know, how, long, how much longer do I have to wait kind of thing. So yes. it, it is, I do agree with you. But I think the other thing is there's another side to that, which is that whilst uh, we, we want to talk about our work, we want to promote our work, and I know a, a number of your writers, a number of your crew are pretty good at promoting, but they could be 
quite a bit more assertive and stronger as well. And by that, I mean, you know, it's all very well and it's wonderful to have the community that, you know, that you've built and that, that exists between all the Russes. That's essential. But the other thing that I think that I sort of unearthed a few times in the conversations is what we don't do enough of is what I think of as the language of longevity. That's another little phrase that I've used for years, which means talking with our clients, not just from a sort of the perspective of here's a one-off gig, but more starting to become the kind of the, the custodian of language for that client. And, but often we don't, we react, we get a brief, we do that, we deliver it and go, phew, that's nicely done. What, whereas what I think we ought to be doing is saying, hey, I'm so happy you're pleased with that job. I've been having a look around your industry, looking at other things you're doing. I really think we ought to have a little go over here. I think we ought to do something there. Just having the courage to, again, courage to speak to the future, to show clients that actually if you've got any language, whether it's your website, it's emails, it's um, proposals, it's um, you know whatever, wherever you're using the written word, I'm the person that can help you finesse it. I agree. And I think you, you missed my speech because you were lounging somewhere. But I'm joking. But what I was speaking about, my uh, keynote was about, you know, often clients aren't really buying the words on a page. They really are buying into your, to the ease of it. That is something that you're, they don't have to do anymore. You're taking a problem away. You're making their life easier, but they're also buying, you know, a bit, they want to be told what to do. They want an authority. They want a project manager. They want someone to suggest things to them. You, I think a lot of copywriters sit there passively waiting for the work to come in, but you do have to go out there and get it. And we talked in my presentation about, you know, not necessarily sending every couple of months, sending an email saying, do you want a blog post? Do you want this? But just, hey, John, I saw this article that I thought you might be interested in. Or, hey, Sue, I saw that your competitors just released this. Maybe this is something we could try. Or I read a great article about bakers in Melbourne. And I was thinking that maybe we could do a little promo, you know, that sort of thing. And yes, sometimes they're going to say no, but they're going to be relieved that someone else cares enough about their business to kind of keep coming up with ideas, you know? Oh, totally, look, totally, I'm so sorry I missed your talk. <laughs> I, I agree. And look, and it's interesting, the, uh, the SEO writing topic came up a few times as well. And clearly, um, you know, a lot of writers are now looking at that as an opportunity, you know, and as a skill set that they need to develop. And I wouldn't disagree with either of those things. But I also think that um, what can happen, and I'll be interested in your perspective on this, because I know that you, know, you run very successful SEO training and all of those other pieces. But my, my thought with, with SEO as a sort of a, a plug-in skill for a copywriter, if you like, is I think it's important we've got it. But I think we need to remember that in the eyes of your client, it's not... The bigger picture is it's not so much SEO, it's the fact that that client is looking for more leads and more engagement and more business. That's what they're looking for. SEO copy is a means to an end. But the bigger game, the bigger play, is that they want the phone to ring more often, they want more customers in their business. And that's a much bigger proposition. That's If you're, if you're the kind of writer that says, I can help your business get more leads and get more business, that's a much bigger, stronger, more valuable um, proposition than I'm an SEO writer. 
Well, that's it. Exactly. I think, you know, it's this is basic copywriting 101. You don't sell the features, you sell the benefit and the advantage. You don't sell that the drill has a 2.7 gauge motor. You sell the fact that you're going to be able to make holes quicker in your wall and hang your picture up and do something more exciting. So, yeah, the SEO is a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. I agree. I want to move on to... Um, uh, established writers. But before we do, one other thing you mentioned about the, the newbies was that they wonder where it's all going. Yes. And my thought on this is, who knows? I don't think you have to have a plan. I'm not someone who business plans. I think, you know, especially in those early years, yeah, you have got, you set some goals and some targets, maybe more around personal stuff, how, how many hours you want to work, how, what kind of salary you want to earn, what type of clients you want to work with. But you don't have to have the whole thing mapped out at all you know I, I totally totally agree with you um and i think that is one of the things is i think there's so much talk about visions and plans that i think it confuses people and i think in the early days if you're deciding that you want to have a crack at this and you want to see whether you know whether you enjoy running your business as a copywriter whether you enjoy working from home whether it works you know in a number of cases i spoke to people who are also looking after young kids as well. So, you know, you've got the, often there's a lot of demands on one's life and time. So in those sort of instances, I think, I think it's okay to have a vision, but don't worry if it doesn't go too far. The main thing is you've just got to get on with it. Yes. Get, get your hands dirty, get involved, and then have a little look at it and go, hmm, okay, well, that doesn't really work, does it? I'm going to need to have a few more boundaries around my time here, or I might need to go and work in a different location for one day a week. But it's, uh, I think there's too much sort of pressure, and I'm probably guilty of doing this. I'm always talking to people about visions, maybe too much, because I think you can have, you know, it's kind of like short-sighted vision initially. Let's just get started. Yes. And then adjust and tweak and, you know, and amend as you go. That's totally okay. Yeah, um, it's fine to have a plan, but just don't be too attached to it. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. And also be happy to take the side routes because often the things that I didn't plan have become the best parts of my business and you have to be flexible enough to do that as well. So let's move into established, Mm. you know, and we're not newbies. We've been going a couple of years or maybe for a very long time because I know that some of the copywriters that I speak to, you do get to kind of be a bit burnt out. So one of the things you mentioned there was the need for a refresh and the need for reassurance. Mm. So, how did that manifest and what advice did you give people? Yeah, well, that, that's it's an interesting one. And it doesn't, I should tell you just to, to you know, you will realise, but to reassure your listeners again, this doesn't just impact copywriters. Any of us that are running our own business where we're pretty well selling our, you know, selling our services for money um, and we're working in a, in a largely, you know, um, very small group or all completely by ourselves, it does get to a point inevitably when we think, Oof, how did I end up here? Um, and that's, that's, that's a very common sort of comment that, that I hear from people is how did I end up here? And if you look at it, the, the best way for a refresh really is to just go back to basics and hang on a minute, why did you start this? What is it you're trying to achieve? Where is it you think you might be trying to get to? And you'll often find if you ask those sort of questions, that you'll find that there was a little thing happened or a couple of things happened where basically, again, it comes down to the bouncer in your business to some degree, is you just kind of let your guard down a bit and you ended up meandering off in the wrong direction. 
So often for a refresh, it's, it, it means coming back and saying, let's just have another look at this. What is the work you really want to be doing? What is the work you don't really want to be doing? How can we get out of the, you know, the, the, the less favorable stuff and into more of the other stuff? And just by asking those sort of questions, and it's interesting, you know, I ask some questions before I speak to people, and the number of occasions where I had at the bottom a comment and said, wow, it's helped me so much just answering these questions. Mm. You know, it's interesting. That, that's what, what we need to do more of and we can do more of is kind of self-coach ourselves. Just have a bit of a, re, uh, you know, a refresh. I've got some questions actually maybe that I can send you, Kate. Oh, great. We could put them in yeah. the podcast notes. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. You know, so... Um, yeah, in, in most cases, the, the refresh was, was merely to sit back and have a look at the high points and, and then try and, because often when we're busy again, we forget the good stuff. You know, it kind of floats by and we don't notice it. Whereas when you sit down with someone and someone's asking you some questions, you go, hmm, actually, that was really good. That went really well. I really like that. I could do more of that. Um, and it usually comes out not through any smart stuff that I'm saying, but just through asking the right questions people get to realize that actually things are going pretty good. Things are going pretty well. And if I just did this and this, I could really shift things. And what often sort of slips and the way, one of the reasons that people start to kind of fall out of love with their business a bit is they do let boundaries slip. So suddenly anyone can get to them at any time. Uh, they often do have a client or clients in the business that really is a, you know, sucking energy. Um, and they're just they're, they're often not working at, at quite the sort of uh, or not billing at the kind of rate that they think they should be. And often, if I ask people, you know, when you sent your last quote out, did you think it was a little bit high and just okay, or a little bit low? And you know, which is not terribly scientific, but in most cases, when people underquote, they know they have. Yeah. You know, they know they have. And then when you're, if you're sitting there doing work and you're resentful that you're doing it for the price that you, that you asked for and you perhaps don't quite like the person you're working with and perhaps you've got a few boundary issues and you're working at night and at weekends and things have gone a bit out of whack, you know, that's, that's, that's when it can all get very sort of messy and uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's, and that's all down to you and your boundaries and just going, actually, I'm going to take a step back, as you said, and if I don't want to work in the evenings anymore, I'm just not going to. Because I'm two or three years in, I've got some clients, I don't need to flog myself anymore to just take every single job and then do anything. And, you know, the client says jump and you say how high. Because nine times out of 10, if you go back to a client and say, you know what, I don't work on Fridays anymore, so we'll have to get back to you on Monday. What are they going to do? Very few of them are going to go, well, God damn, I'm never speaking to you again. I go, okay, that's fine. You know, you don't need to be available 24-7. And the clients that do want that, well, they're probably not the clients for you anyway. Mm. You know, there's a parallel here with, with uh, I think, with, um, with selling a house, right? If, you, if, if you've got somebody who's, who's thinking, you know, thinking of selling the house, often what they'll do is they'll do a whole big sort of declutter They'll get some people to come over and put some schnicko furniture in. They'll probably touch up the skirting boards that have got all the chips from your kids' tricycles and things and scooters. And, you know, you will have heard this, I'm sure. I certainly have. You hear people saying, wow, you know, I'm actually really rather liking this house now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you've done really nothing. All you've done is put your house in order and suddenly you realise why you love it so much. Yeah. 
exactly the same in business as we've just got to get things back in order. Now, when we work on our own, there's not somebody coming along saying, hey, can you tidy a desk or here's a new chair and a new desk and we're going to repaint your office. And that doesn't happen. It happens in the, at the tall end of town, but it doesn't happen in our own little businesses. So we've got to do that ourselves. You know, and that, that's an important thing. And this, this, it sounds sort of basic, and frankly, it is. Yes. You know, this, this is just stuff we have to do. We need to do it. We deserve oh, you know, tiny, so. tiny tweaks, yeah. It doesn't have to be major overhauls. You don't need to rebrand your website and buy a brand new, you know, standing desk. It's just sometimes more of a mental declutter and mm. a process declutter and a pricing review. And, mm. going, you know, I, I, I could have a few less clients. I could work a few less. If I just put my hourly rate up by a little bit, let's just try that and see what happens. You yeah. Know? Totally. And, you know, you can, you don't need to fork out to get a coach to do this either. You can ideally buddy up, you know, use your wonderful network, buddy up with someone going, hey, I'm thinking from the, from the 1st of September that I'm going to have a business refresh. Does anybody else want to do the same thing? Let's work out some plans together. Yeah, so we do, we, we do that in our group. We've got copy buddies. Everyone has a copy buddy and we do accountability calls every two weeks where we, I slap bottoms and uh, it works quite well. Let's finish up with the peaks and troughs. You mentioned that some of the more established copywriters had spoken to the fact that, you know, they, they struggle with dealing with the highs and the lows and also just day-to-day motivation of keeping your business going when it's only you. So what was your advice to those guys? Mm. Okay. Well, look, there, there, there is a, a certain inevitability that there will be peaks and troughs when we're in a when we're in the sort of gun for hire type business. Um, you know, that's that's the way it rolls. But again, part of I think the part of the answer is to look at the relationships that we build with our clients and to continually be using this language of longevity thing and avoiding what often happens, the reason we get peaks and troughs is that we get a big brief from somebody and we're sort of head down, bum up, and that's all we do is we're delivering that job. We're working all night, all weekend. We're getting that job out the window. What we're not doing is any sort of marketing, any sort of relationship building, any sort of networking. We, go, we, we, sort of, we feed the peaks and troughs by our own behaviours. And what we actually have to do, and it really does take discipline, is put your own business at the top of your client list. Like, treat your business like you would your best client. And that's a phrase that I often use, and it's something we don't do enough of. If you had your best client and you knew that what your best client wanted um, were three new leads a week, then you would make damn sure that you were delivering that if you were in the lead creation business. And that's what our businesses often do need, is they need us to be selling seeds, to be working on the next piece of business. But say what we tend to do is we shut the door, we push all that work away, and we serve the client we've got. And that's where we, that's the mistake we make. What we need to be doing is bringing kind of seed sowing and marketing actions into, if not every day, regular days during the week. You might spend an hour each week sowing seeds, whether that's having a coffee catch-up with somebody, or, as you say, sending an article to someone, posting somewhere, developing, just developing relationships. If we can do that, if we get into the habit of putting our business at this kind of top of our priority list, treating our business as we would our best client, 
then that's the best chance we can get of, of evening out these peaks and troughs. Otherwise, we get this whole binge marketing thing, and you've seen it, I've seen it, where suddenly the phone stop ringing, oh my God, oh my God, so you're all over everything like a rash. Yeah. That's no way to market. It's, it's dissatisfying. We end up doing clumsy marketing. We splurge all over the place. It's just not a good look. Yeah, and you can you can almost smell the desperation when all of a sudden an offer comes out that oh I'll do five blogs for the price of two. Mm-hmm. It's like no 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 you know so again little tips that we give the guys in the group is you know to keep a list of everybody who ever inquires all your clients and you know if you don't want to do a newsletter you don't have to do that but just keep yourself top of mind you know mm-hmm. send them stuff because your best clients are your repeat clients you don't have to remarket to them they just come back you already know the brand it's easier they're they you know they've already got your bank details so you know that's really important and just consistently putting a little bit of time aside every week or fortnight to work on your own business the answer everyone always gives me is i'm just so busy with regular work and it's like mm-hmm. yeah but one day you won't be and you'll thank me now for just spending a little bit of time i think that's so important yeah, it's funny. I just finally finished on a little story that I often, uh, just a, a visual image that I hold in my mind. Many years ago, like in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, most of your listeners probably weren't even born there. Anyway, um, I worked in a, uh, for a, a small marketing and design agency in London, and I looked after a very big piece of business. And these are the days when you walk around with a big art bag, you know, like an AO or an A1 art bag with all your artworks in it and sketches and drawings and things. And what I would do, and it was so successful, is if we ever had a, a period when there was a bit of a lull, I would literally just get a train over to these guys' offices where all the product managers uh, all just sort of sat in a corridor in all their little offices, and I would just walk up and down with my art bag and everyone I, every office I walked past they'd assume I had a meeting with somebody in the, in the corridor but in many cases I didn't have a meeting with anybody but I would literally just be there and go oh, hi David oh, hi Sally and I swear I, I don't remember ever doing that without coming out with a brief well there was, you go you know just putting myself in front of them and whilst that kind of system of working clearly isn't going to directly translate for, for your group is having is that mindset of putting yourself in front of them, letting them know that you're there, letting them know that you're available, but doing it regularly, that's the key thing. No, it's so true. And one little cheesy piece of advice I give copywriters is to go and sit in coffee shops with your laptop open and write. The number of people who come up to me and say, oh, what are you, what are you doing? And I say, oh, I write. I don't say I'm a copywriter because people don't understand what that is. I say, oh, you know, I write uh, words for, for businesses for their websites and flyers. And they're like, oh, well, I run a massage parlor. And we were just thinking about it. Just it happens. You know, you've got to spread the word and you spread the word wherever you are. Tell your hairdresser, tell your, you know, your vet. You never know who's just looking for someone right now. The final thing... I get the back of my T-shirt printed, I think. I've got a big sign on my back. Exactly. The final thing I wanted to finish on, and we are, this is the final, final thing. One of the best pieces of advice you've given me, um, uh, and it, it still resonates now and I still think about it a lot and it's the line you mentioned earlier about you know that what imagine if your ideal client came along that's one way but the other thing you said in terms of thinking about the future and your direction and if you're feeling a bit lost what's your why and all that was Kate imagine if you're standing on stage uh, at a big event and everyone is clapping and everyone is cheering for you and you're being handed an award what is that award for you asked me that 
many years ago and I think mm. I stumbled, but it's something I come back to a lot. Um, and do you, wh- why is that such a powerful statement? I don't know why. <laughs> well, I just, I think it's because what it does is it puts you in a, in a position where you are um, really sort of basking in the joy of being surrounded by the people that you really do good work for. Mm. And, you know, that is such a powerful thing is if you're, having any at any point sort of doubts in what you do and who you do it for and how well it's received, just sort of closing your eyes and imagining you're there. And then you, because what that, the next sort of point from, from that, from that sort of, that vision is, okay, so who are those people and what is it you've just done? Mm-hmm. You know, and once you're sitting there in, a, in that sort of glow, it's so much easier then to start thinking about those people. You know, and I, I still use little things like that with people. I imagine whether it's standing on a stage or it's sitting in a cafe, you know, imagine you overhear a group of people on the next table and they're talking about something that prompts you to jump up and go, I can help with that. You know, what would they be saying? What are the yeah. things they'd be talking about? You know, that's how we tease out the real sort of opportunities for us, I think. And um, hey, you must be very used to standing on stages. Well, I was just going to say, when you asked me that question several years ago, I think I said, oh, it would be for writing my first novel. Um, Mm. But then I've realised over the years, because actually, you know, just a a month or so ago, I was stood on stage with a whole room full of people that I'd brought together, Mm. and it was amazing. And it made me realise for me that what I really enjoy is I enjoy bringing people together, helping people, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy that and you know at the moment possibly more than writing my novel that may come but at the moment that's where I am building communities helping copywriters that's what gives me joy yeah, um, that's brilliant so. and, and you do it so goddamn well I mean that conference of yours just fantastic yeah. you're doing another one soon Oh, thank you for the for the excellent plug. Yes, anybody who's listening, uh, we've just booked in Melbourne Arts Centre for next year, May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. Uh, uh, the, I will be dressing as Princess Leia for one of my presentations, so that will be worth seeing. But yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Well, look, Robert, thank you. I could listen to you talk all day. I've once described you. My husband heard me talking to you on the phone, and he was like, "Who's that man that you're talking to? He's got a very velvety voice." And I said, "Yes, his voice is like butter melting on whole wheat toast." No, oh. so she can have that. That can be on your new podcast. Oh, um, so we will include links to all your various bits and bobs. Your new uh, podcast, Mellow Brick Road, the Flying Solo Podcast, which is one of my favourite. Business of bookkeeping, meh, don't like numbers, but somebody might. And of course, the One Minute Commute, uh, your brand new book, which sounds Correct. heavy when dropped on the floor. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's beautiful, man. So, Robert, thank you so much. Thank you for your generosity with my members of my community. Thank you for for putting me in front of them, gorgeous people. Brilliant. Loved every minute of it. So uh, that's the end of the podcast. And at the end of the podcast, I usually have a little spiel to read out, but Belinda's not here and I haven't written it. So I'm going to get in trouble. But just to say thank you to all our listeners, I'd love to read out a testimonial, but unfortunately we've run out. So if you haven't left a review for the podcast, head to wherever you listen to this and take a few minutes to write a few words about what you think about the Hot Copy Podcast. And of course, head to the show notes for this episode at www.hotcopypodcast.com where you'll find links to all Robert's various bits and bobs and you can leave a comment about the show. So that's it for this time. Thanks again and happy writing.
Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. But rustling crisp packets. No, that's the last time. It's not. <laughs> that's you, Dave. Behave. <laughs>